Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Joyce Barry and Friends, the number one worldwide radio show. The show is outrageous and it's contagious. It will lift your spirits high, you'll feel that you can fly. Transform your attitude, fill it with gratitude. Cut loose and improvise this coaching time today. Joyce is a great coach with an extraordinary approach. Fast on the upbeat, top of the heap. A wild motivator, great simulator. Unstoppable in a humoristic way. Life lessons with passion, joyfully today. You want Joyce as your coach if you want this to be your best year ever. Coach Joyce here. I want this to be your best year ever. I want this to be my best year ever. I want this to be the best year ever for all our friends worldwide. And on today's show, I might add the other world as well. So welcome. Welcome to Joyce, Barry, and Friends. We are broadcasting live across America and around the world. This is the Hour to Empower with stimulating talk, views you can use, memorable quotes, and powerful life lessons. We always have hot guests and cool topics. We even have cool guests and hot topics. You always want to tune us on, tune in, and tune up with us to hear the best of the best. You do not want to miss any of our shows. Each show goes into our archives. Log into Joyce Barry and Friends.com, Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E, and you will see each guest and each topic on our homepage. You can play and download any of our shows, always informative, inspiring, and motivational. You want to share these special shows with your friends, family, and contacts. You can follow us on Facebook and become a Joyce Barry subscriber and even a fan by going to our Joyce Barry and Friends fan page. Be sure to check like. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us by going to our Blog Talk Radio homepage and clicking follow right below my picture. You can also message me in any of these venues about our show, about our guests, about anything. My official website is JoyceBarry.com. Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E. The chat room is open. Log into the chat room, have fun, and chat away. I go back and forth into the chat room during the show to see what is going on in there. Motivation, inspiration, and an education. Positive, happy thoughts to improve your life, health, and finances. Take positive actions to create a gratifying lifestyle. Life lessons from me, your host, Joyce Barry, straight from the Coach's Corner, and then you will hear from our wonderful guest today. Folks, every day should be treated like a special day. We wish you the finest of friends, the opulence of opportunities, the magic of miracles, and the happiest of days. May this year be your best year ever.
Today is a very special show with a very special guest. After decades as a doctor and teacher at Harvard Medical School and elsewhere, renowned academic neurosurgeon Dr. Eben Alexander thought he knew how the brain and mind worked. A transcendental near-death experience, NDE, during an inexplicable brain infection changed his view completely. He has spent the years since his NDE reconciling his rich spiritual experience with contemporary physics and cosmology. His first book, Proof of Heaven, A Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Afterlife, spent nearly two years atop the New York Times and international bestseller list. We have breaking news on Dr. Alexander's next book, The Map of Heaven, How Science, Religion, and Ordinary People Are Proving the Afterlife. This book just came out. It was published October 7, yes, just last month, and it has already become a New York Times bestseller. The major breaking news is that we are honored to have with us today Dr. Eben Alexander. A warm welcome to the show, Dr. Alexander. Well, thanks for having me, Joyce. It's great to be here. And it's very exciting to have you here with us. What would you like to start our show off? What would you like to share with us? And then I'd really like to ask you a whole bunch of questions that I can hardly wait to hear the answers to. Go ahead, Dr. Alexander. Okay. Well, I think it would be best just to start off with uh, assuming that there are many listeners out there who did not read Proof of Heaven. So giving a little background about my story. Um, you know, as your intro says, uh, I had spent uh, 20 years in academic neurosurgery, 15 years at Harvard Medical School, thought I had some idea of how brain, mind, consciousness, how all of that works. And then six years ago, right now, I was driven deep into coma over about three and a half hours uh, due to a very rare and extremely aggressive bacterial gram-negative bacterial meningitis, which is really the worst kind you can have. And... Um, it uh, Within three and a half hours, I was having grand mal seizures and then was gone from this world for the next seven days. Uh, my, a lot of the story, kind of the backstory to that, uh, is in talking to family, friends, doctors, and nurses who took care of me, going through my medical records and all. In the months after my coma, I came to uh, realize the details of what happened during the seven days I was away, but I had no awareness of this world during those seven days. Uh, and I later found out that after that seizure, I was taken to the emergency room at Lynchburg General Hospital. Uh, the doctors there, very astute, figured out that I might have bacterial meningitis and did a lumbar puncture, and out came thick white pus under pressure. And, in fact, the doctor who performed that uh, uh, test to diagnose my bacterial meningitis told me much later that when she saw that, she knew I was dead. And the reason was she knew that with a gram-negative bacterial meningitis going into coma over just a few hours, I was down below a 10% probability of survival. And they put me on three very powerful antibiotics, uh, on a ventilator, on the medical ICU, and things only got worse during the week. The second day, they found out it was E. coli, uh, spontaneous E. coli meningitis almost always occurs in newborns, very rare beyond the age of three months. But there I was as a 54-year-old white male having in, inexplicably come down with this illness. 
by the end of the week, I was down to a 2% chance of survival. Uh, and best case scenario, if I was in that 2%, was that I'd spend the rest uh, next few months in coma and finally die from it. That's why my doctors recommended just stopping the antibiotics. Um, that was the, the recommendation. And it was soon after that that I came back to this world. Now, when I did, my doctors were right. My brain was absolutely ravaged by this uh, uh, incredible infection. Any doctor who takes care of such patients will realize by day three, such patients are either starting to wake up or they have died. So I was in that strange netherworld where I was still there, although any signs of, of function in my neocortex, uh, the human part of our brain, uh, was last seen in the first hour or so after I got to the emergency room. Now, the interesting thing is that words and language came back very quickly over hours and days. My childhood memories came back over weeks. All of my knowledge of the within uh, two decades spent in neurosurgery came back over about eight weeks. And during that time, I was very busy recording everything I could remember from deep in coma because even though when I woke up, I had no knowledge of Evan Alexander's life before coma. I had no memories of my human life before um, I knew where I had just been on this extraordinary, ultra-real journey to multiple spiritual realms that I describe in Proof of Heaven, starting in an earthworm's eye view, a very primitive, coarse, unresponsive realm, but then rescued from that. Uh, and I believe that that earthworm eye view was the best consciousness my brain, physical brain, could muster while it was soaking in pus and the neocortex being destroyed. Uh, but then I was rescued from that by a slowly spinning white light that came with a perfect musical melody and opened up into this ultra-real valley. Uh, I was moving up through it because I was a speck of awareness on a butterfly wing. There was a beautiful girl beside me who proved critical at understanding the nature of the journey. There were many souls down below us dancing, lots of joy and merriment, all fueled above by these beautiful angelic choirs, swooping orbs, uh, pure golden light leaving sparkling trails and emanating these incredible chants, anthems, and hymns that blew through my awareness like tidal waves, just incredible power of that unconditional love of the Creator. And then ascending up through those angelic choirs, once again sound providing the mechanism for uh, journeying of the soul up into higher and higher levels till I was in the core, that infinite inky blackness filled to overflowing with the unconditional love that has infinite power to heal, that unconditional love of the creative source, that deity that was in that core realm. And this brilliant light, brighter than a million stars, that I felt was there as some kind of an interpreter or translator, and the strong sense of the three of us. And uh, I was told I was not there to stay, that I would be going back, but would be taught many things. And in fact, that's a lot of what makes up Proof of Heaven. And now the new book, Map of Heaven, is going through a lot of those uh, lessons, a lot of what this is all about, how time flow is very different in that realm, our complete understanding of time, space, mass, energy in the physical realm is something that is undergoing some profound revisions and understanding uh, as we come to a deeper knowing of what consciousness is. In fact, it's the only thing any one of us truly knows to exist. So our modern scientific viewpoint, that materialist science that I used to worship before my coma, uh, would proudly tell you that consciousness is an illusion, that none of us have free will, and yet my journey showed us very clearly, showed me very clearly, that that is false, that in fact this entire uh, realm 
this material realm exists for sentient beings to manifest that free will uh, as this process of learning. We're all here to learn and teach in the soul school of the material realm. But being eternal spiritual beings, we have a far grander purpose and existence than I ever knew before my coma. Uh, of course, I had suspected it from uh, religious readings and all that, but my career in science, more than 20 years in academic neurosurgery, had called into question any way that uh, awareness could survive death of brain and body. I had no way of understanding how that might happen. But, of course, I believe before my coma, as our conventional neuroscience teaches us, that the brain creates consciousness. And yet the millions and millions of stories similar to my story that have gone on for thousands of years uh, completely um, overturn that simplistic materialist kindergarten view of, of thinking. The problem is that our current neuroscience has absolutely no idea how physical brain might give rise to consciousness. This is something called the hard problem of consciousness. I would say it's the deepest mystery known to all of human thought. And uh, this is where the world of, of science is headed, to a deeper understanding of the nature of consciousness and what it is, and realizing that consciousness exists fundamentally in this universe. And that's what uh, we can get into uh, this morning discussing that much more richly. But that's what Proof of Heaven and Map of Heaven are all about, is helping uh, the skeptical, the kind of modern intellectual thinker, the scientist out there, uh, to realize what is going on at the core of science even now. And uh, it's, it's a fascinating awakening that's coming on this world. And a lot of it, uh, to me, was forced on me through my coma journey that showed me that, in fact, by taking down my physical brain, the neocortex, the human part of the brain, that's how the blinders came off and how I was awakened to a far grander realization. Uh, another thing about Map of Heaven is it acknowledges that I knew very little of the science of non-local consciousness before my journey, and I've had to learn a tremendous amount. I've had to read more than 200 books in the last six years in trying to understand my journey and uh, what it tells us about the nature of reality, and this is, in fact, uh, kind of a microcosm of where the entire world of science is headed through the hard problem of consciousness and the enigma of quantum mechanics and trying to come to a deeper understanding of the nature of all reality. That is so extraordinary. Uh, the experiences you had, I, I have been reading the book, and I just want to know, with all the other near-death experiences that have been published, why do you think your NDE receives so much attention from the medical and scientific communities? I think the most important thing is um, that I had this severe gram-negative bacterial meningitis that by all rights should have killed me. To this day, my doctors have no idea how I ended up having a full recovery from that illness within eight weeks. In fact, uh, they would have said, and this was not just my doctors in Lynchburg, but they had consultants all up and down the East Coast at Harvard, at Duke, at UVA, at Bowman Gray. They had uh, tremendous help in trying to sort through the medical details of my illness. Uh, never came up with an explanation for how I came down with uh, E. coli meningitis. 
uh, and certainly no explanation for how I could have had any experience deep inside of coma. That, I think, is the biggest gift of all, is that particular diagnosis, which should have ruled out any uh, but the most primitive of experiences, which I think is what I had in the form of that earthworm's eye view. But the rich ultra-reality of, you know, and this is what proof of heaven is all about. I had nine hypotheses that were the main hypotheses that I entertained with colleagues interested in consciousness, trying to explain my experiences uh, after reviewing all my medical records, the neurologic exams, the scans that showed uh, destruction of my neocortex and all eight lobes of my brain. I mean, this was all a tremendous challenge, and initially I was trying to explain it based in my old paradigm. Uh, even though my knowledge of brain, mind, and consciousness from 20 years plus spent in neurosurgery did not return in full until after eight weeks or so after my recovery from coma, uh, I was busy that whole time trying to record my whole journey before I read anything about near-death experiences. That was the great advice of my younger, of my older son, Evan the Fourth, who was majoring in college in neuroscience at the time, and he was there and. Uh, saw me deep in coma and also saw the miraculous nature of my recovery. And he said, if you want this to be of any value, you need to write it all down before you read anything. So I wrote about 20,000 words memorializing every bit of my coma experience before I ever read anything about other near-death experiences, physics, or cosmology. How do you know when your deep coma experience occurred? How can you put a time frame on that? Well, that's something, you know, that I uh, go into in Proof of Heaven. I think the important thing to realize is at the end of this extraordinary odyssey that I went in that involves cycling through these realms multiple times, going from that earthworm eye view up into that rich, ultra-real, idyllic, heavenly gateway valley, and then ascending beyond that into higher spatial temporal dimensions all the way out into the core that, would, that was outside of all infinity and eternity. Um that uh, it, it was a very difficult thing to explain that ultra-reality given the destruction of my neocortex. There was really no place in my brain for any of that to happen. And it turns out that, uh, as I tell that tale, cycling through many times in an odyssey that seemed to go on for months or years, and then finally realizing that the musical notes would no longer up, open up that uh, perfect clear white light that ushered my way up into the ultra-real idyllic valley. Um, I then was kind of relegated to the, the misty lower spiritual realms, and that's when I saw the six faces come up at the very end of the journey. And five of those faces were of uh, family and friends who were physically there the last 18 hours that I was in coma. Uh, the important thing about that uh, is that those faces and their identities, which I only figured out in the hours after I came out of coma, helped me to discern that the vast majority of my coma journey happened between days one and five, not on day six or seven when I emerged. And uh, that was a crucial part of my understanding of it, although initially, of course, it made it even more complex because I was trying to figure out how in the depths of coma when my neurologic exams and my scans showed that my brain was at its worst possible condition, how was that the time when I was awakened to a much higher, ultra-real, uh, very vivid and alive 
a set of scenarios that I could not even duplicate in my brain today, which is fully intact. And that part remained a mystery to me for years in trying to understand how that happened. Uh, although, of course, I came to realize, as my colleagues pointed out to me, uh, that in fact there was no way for this to have occurred in my brain. So tr my attempts to explain it as a hallucination, as a drug effect, uh, as a dream state or some kind of confabulation, uh, some kind of effect of the differential destruction of that gram-negative bacterial meningitis on my neocortex, none of those hypotheses worked out uh, in the end being able to support that rich ultra-reality. Uh, and that's uh, really the basis of the power behind proof of heaven. Of course, I didn't realize before how strongly my story uh, matched up with other journeys, uh, not just of the recent near-death literature, but really when you read these stories and go back for thousands of years across all cultures, all belief systems, completely independent of religious beliefs, you find that these stories have a commonality that is really shocking. And to me, that was a great part of my awakening, was realizing how common my experience was among many others of over thousands of years. And uh, that part uh, is a real uh, deep message to all of us about this, uh, these journeys and what they represent. And that's what I point out in Map of Heaven, is how these actually help our conventional scientific thinking out of some of the deepest mysteries around consciousness and around the, the enigmas of the measurement problem in quantum mechanics. Uh, it is said that there are so many NDE uh, near-death experiences out there, but I think, and this came from your book, a quote by Bill Guggenheim, co-author of Hello from Heaven. He explains it best about you. If central casting was given an assignment to locate the most highly qualified person who has had a near-death experience, to have him write a book about it, lecture about it, and appear in the media to promote it around the world, no one could find a more perfect candidate than neurosurgeon Dr. Eben Alexander III. He has all the necessary academic credentials for this assignment, is warm emotionally, very articulate, has undergone a profound spiritual transformation, and is highly motivated to unify science with spirituality. So I believe that everything happens for reason. So even though there are countless stories documented about the NDEs, when reading your book, Proof of Heaven, and listening to you, there is a credibility that is pretty much unmatched by so many out there. So I think timing was right, and it's perfect that you are bringing this to the forefront, because listening to you, how could anyone doubt what it is you have to share with us? Well, that's very kind of you to bring up those comments uh, uh, from Bill. Uh, just a wonderful person. I, I certainly love his book. I think it's the best book out there on after-death communications. Uh, I think it's important to point out that uh, it became clear to me uh, as I worked through trying to understand all this and came to realize the power of so many stories out there that really the the... the um, 
you know, the real impact of Proof of Heaven and Map of Heaven has to do with the stories of millions of others. And what I see myself as doing is simply providing of the, the vehicle in terms of being this rational scientific mind that says, look, these stories help us to understand something fundamental about the nature of who we are and what this is all about and the, and the truth underlying our very existence. Uh, that we are indeed eternal spiritual beings, that in fact the brain is not the creator of consciousness, but as modern science is coming to see it, uh, is more like a reducing valve or filter that limits pre-existing consciousness down to uh, the little trickle of the apparent here and now that most of us experience as human beings living through our incarnations in the material realm. So the real power of proof of heaven is in taking the lid off of those millions of other stories and helping us to all realize that there is great truth to these stories about the nature of our existence. And this becomes especially clear as you study more and more of these studies over thousands of years across all continents, all belief systems, all religions, and come to see their similarities. And that is something that I try and paint out a lot more clearly in the book The Map of Heaven. Uh, even though the point for me personally is clearly made in the proof of heaven. And map of heaven is really about how this is part of all of our existence, and we can come to know this truth. And it really is about science. This is all about where science is headed. Uh, you know, in the book um, Proof of Heaven, I mentioned that wonderful scientific uh, work uh, called Irreducible Mind Toward a Psychology for the 21st Century. It's out of Division of Perceptual Studies at University of Virginia. Brilliant scientists, 800 pages of dense data analysis, all about non-local consciousness, all about the evidence over thousands of years that mind is not created by the brain at all. And this is a crucial revelation that is coming to rescue science, materialist science, from its doldrums because it is eternally stuck around the issue of consciousness and internally stuck around the issue of the measurement problem in quantum mechanics that clearly states that the mind of the observer is deeply interrelated with everything being observed. You cannot write consciousness out of the equation, which, of course, our conventional physics, uh, for the most part, has tended to dismiss that deep mystery that drove uh, people like Albert Einstein and Erwin Schrodinger, uh, Werner Heisenberg, Paul Dirac, Louis de Broglie, all the founding fathers of quantum mechanics, deeply brilliant uh, investigators, driven into mysticism because it they realized that their experiments right at the fundament of the makeup of the physical universe showed that consciousness is absolutely essential. You cannot pretend that there is a clockwork universe out there ticking away, doing its own thing, independent of consciousness. It do, that does not exist. And that is what this deep lesson of proof of heaven and map of heaven is all about. And it's the only way out for our scientific world is to greatly expand its boundaries fully embrace the deep mystery of, of the measurement problem in quantum mechanics and of consciousness itself in trying to understand the nature of our existence. And that's Is where there the a real simplest... Oh, excuse me, go ahead. I was saying that is just where the, 
the real power of this lies in moving forward is realizing that our science will greatly expand its boundaries to fully embrace this deep mystery of consciousness, and it will involve a lot more truth for all of us. Uh, that book, Irreducible Mind, has a sequel coming. Uh, Irreducible Mind was more of the empirical data around non-local consciousness. The sequel, uh, also with Ed Kelly and uh, uh, some of his associates from Irreducible Mind, uh, will be coming out in February 2015. It's called Beyond Physicalism Toward a Reconciliation of Science and Spirituality. It is a very deep scientific work about the fundamental nature of, of all of these truths revealed to us over time, including the quantum mechanics, including the deep spiritual truths, including the front edges of consciousness research, and it's all starting to come together now. And this is what uh, Map of Heaven and Proof of Heaven are all about, is helping to bring the general population of this world up to speed on the scientific developments. I want to open our studio lines. I want to go to Amy Domestico. I got a call from Amy that said, I have to read this book, Proof of Heaven, and I have to have you on our show. Now, Amy, you never recommended anyone to me. I know you five years. Why this book and why this author? <laughs> well, first, Evan, I just want to say it's truly, truly an honor to, to talk to you. Finally, I've read your book. Honor is mine. What's that? The honor is mine. Thank oh, no, you. thank you. Um, I read your book about a year ago. My husband and I will escape the house. We have three kids, and we'll go to Barnes & Noble and just sit and read for a little while and have a coffee. And I'm always looking for not a big novel, you know, but a short read and and whatnot. And um, I'll make this, this quick because uh, I know you have a lot to talk about, but we have a 12-year-old daughter who was born with spina bifida, hydrocephalus, epilepsy, and all the wonderful things that go along with that. And I, she was originally diagnosed with anencephaly. So I think when you, you are faced with, you know, a life and death situation with anybody, you start to look a little bit further in your own life, you know, life and death, what's it all about? So as I've been reading books, throughout the years. I, I never quite found one that, that made sense to me. Um, I had read another book before yours, and it was interesting, but still didn't strike a chord. And I think what Bill said about you, you know, just legitimate, makes it legitimate everything that you, you experience with your background really makes it more real. I think with life and death, it's not just one dimension. People look at life, it's one dimension, death, one dimension. It goes far beyond that. So that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. It's changed my life. It's changed the way I live my life. It's changed the way I look at life. Because there, essentially there is no really, there, there is really no death. It's you just move on. Right. And I think that is uh, a beautiful part of this message uh, is that our meaning, the meaning of our existence here is so much grander than I ever would have thought before. And some people complain. They say, well, why all this focus on death and, you know, how to die and what happens after we die? Uh, in fact, they're right. The real focus of this, a proof of heaven and map of heaven, is how do we live these lives? How can we possibly live these lives if we don't have a much richer understanding of what our lives are all about? 
and I'd like to think that uh, Proof of Heaven and Map of Heaven are really about uh, transcending the dogmas that lock us in, the dogma of materialist science that says it's all birth to death and nothing more, uh, the dogma of various religions that tend to paint us as separate from each other. My journey showed me very clearly that that deity uh, that I encountered, that I came back, and for me the word God was way too puny, a little human word, and I used the word Om because that was the sound I heard in that core realm. But of course I came to realize over weeks of recording my journey that I was talking about God or Allah, Brahman, Vishnu, Jehovah, Yahweh. The words get in the way and they block out the reality that that being, that deity of infinite love is at the core of all existence. And that is what I'm hoping we're, we're transcending now through proof of heaven and map of heaven to rise above that dogma and to realize a far greater vision of who we are and what we're doing here. So how has your experience changed your views on the different religions? How is that connected? Well, I would say, you know, I had grown up in a Methodist church and then an Episcopal church in my adult years. Um, but as I report in Proof of Heaven, uh, I had a, a dark night of the soul of sorts uh, around uh, kind of a personal aspect of my life that I was adopted. And uh, uh, I go into all that in great detail in Proof of Heaven, but suffice it to say here that uh, in the year 2000, I had a perceived rejection from my uh, birth mother. And that led me into eight years of pure agnosticism. I completely gave up on any hope of a loving personal God or power of prayer for eight years before my coma. Of course, it should go without saying to anyone who's read Proof of Heaven that I will never doubt the reality of that infinitely powerful, all-loving deity at the core of all existence. But I came to realize that that deity is one for all of us and that we tend to get lost in the dogmatic differences and in the linguistic brain and kind of linear thought, uh, um, kind of words-type explanation of the differences between religions. But it became clear to me, especially uh, as I would give talks about my experience beginning two and a half years before Proof of Heaven came out, and often distribute those as DVDs to friends. And then I started hearing back from friends of theirs and I would hear back from Kabbalists, from Jewish mystics, from Christian mystics, from Sufis, Islamic mystics, from Hindus, Buddhists, about the similarities of my journey with what they held to be sacred writings going back thousands of years, and realized that the petty differences that our language introduces uh, between these journeys um, obscures the deeper truth to what is going on in these personal journeys that people come back and report in these extraordinary experiences, uh, what in irreducible mind are called rogue experiences, and what William James uh, would have seen as uh, those beautiful nuggets that help us to understand more deeply the true nature of human uh, brain, mind, consciousness, and our true nature uh, often comes from such experiences, but it also helps us to understand the day-to-day -day and the mundane of, of consciousness and the relationship of mind and brain and what it is. And so I think that I came to see that the similarities in the deepest aspects of the mystical traditions of the various religions converge towards a oneness. 
that is really profound. And, of course, I believe that to the extent that any religion professes uh, a love and a compassion, forgiveness, acceptance, and mercy, that we're here to use that unconditional love of the Creator for the creation as we can channel that love to our fellow beings, it serves up infinite capacity for healing for the individual, for the soul group, for ethnic and national groups, for all of humanity, all of life on earth and beyond. The power of healing that comes from that unconditional love is extraordinary. And if we can simply transcend and realize that any of our religions that bring that oneness and that togetherness and the power of that divinity within us all to the fore, then that aspect of that religion uh, is a strong part moving forward. To the extent that any religion is twisting the original words of prophets uh, to say that we're separate, uh, to promote conflict between religions, that aspect of religion is not part of the original teaching of prophets, and in fact is the dysfunctional and twisted distortions of humans trying to control other humans. And that aspect of religion must be uh, cast aside, and that is what is happening in this grand awakening. Um, you know, the various religions can do plenty of good in harboring this wonderful uh, sense of, of love and compassion and forgiveness. But otherwise, any of the dogmatic teachings of religions that lead us to separation are false and must be left behind. And this is where this world is headed. And it's above the dogma not just of the various religions, but above the dogma of materialist science that tries to say there's no such thing as consciousness, soul, spirit, or free will, or the divine. That pure materialist science is also what is going down because it's kindergarten level thinking that has a blind spot that says if there's any such thing as divine you cannot write that into your physics and your cosmology because that breaks the unwritten rule uh, well that might just be their blind spot in fact it is and so it's by broadening the boundaries of science and fully embracing this deep mystery of consciousness and what it is uh, that the science will greatly expand, and that's where the world is headed now. And it's good to know there's no contradiction between the religions and what you're talking about. In fact, I like that there was an endorsement from Dr. Rabbi Meir Sender who said, Dr. Alexander's experiences resonate remarkably with views of heaven, the afterlife, and the potential of consciousness in the Jewish mystical tradition. This book is a thunderbolt. And the Reverend Michael R. Sullivan, Rector of Holy Innocence Episcopal Church, Church says Eben's masterpiece is a story for scientists, skeptics, believers, and seekers. Read it for a foretaste of something beyond the veil, beyond our dreams, and beyond our wildest imagination. So I was particularly struck with that, seeing that there was no conflict in the beliefs of people of varying religions and what it is you're talking about. I want to go back to Amy for a moment. Uh, saying a book changed your life, there is no greater endorsement than that so thank you for uh introducing dr evan to us and i wondered did you want to ask him something or say anything else before i go to our next caller i have no questions his books pretty much said it all i just want to thank you for writing them that's all well thank you very much amy i, I really appreciate that thank you have a wonderful day thank you Joyce. you too 
Uh, you're most welcome. As I said, here is a woman that I know for over five years, and this book, she said, you have to get this book, you have to read it, and you have to get Dr. Eben Alexander on your show. So I'm glad I listened to you, Amy Domestico. Somebody else that I do listen to is a true friend. She's our health guru. She's a writer, speaker on natural healing and metaphysical subjects, and that would be Beverly Nadler. Hi, Beverly Nadler. Welcome to the show. Hi, Joyce, and hello, Dr. Alexander. It is an honor uh, to be on the same show as you as you are speaking. Uh, I've been writing about these subjects and talking about them for so long, and to have a person, and, and Joyce said it very, very correctly, it's the credibility that you bring to something which is the truth. We know it. I mean, those who know it's the truth, it's the truth. But most people have such a problem, even though they believe in God and they talk about heaven, but really understanding that we're infinite beings, we never die, and we go to a place that really is a very special place. And you have brought this with the utter conviction and the absolute knowledge of this, that consciousness does not exist in the brain, it does not exist in the body, and in fact, I read the map of heaven, I didn't read Proof of Heaven, but after reading Map of Heaven, I said, well, I absolutely have to get his book. I didn't read Proof of Heaven because I must have read 10 different books on past life um, of of near-death experiences, plus the website, so I said, I don't need to read that, but when I read this book, which is remarkable, I said, the writing style alone, and some of the things that you said about what was in Proof of Life, uh, Proof of Heaven, (laughs) which is a Proof of Life, isn't it? That (laughs) I have to read that book. And when you talked about you actually heard the sound of Aum, because I'm um, involved in Kriya Yoga, and we listen for the sound of Aum when we meditate, and that you were there and you heard it, and that's so wonderful. I was so taken with this that I put you, um, referenced you in my book that I'm writing right now, um, as a credible, more than credible, as someone that they need to get your books to understand that consciousness is not in the brain, that consciousness is, like you said, it's everything. And um, they, I, think, I do believe that um, everything happens for a purpose. The reason this happened to you particularly is because, first of all, you're extraordinarily articulate, And you being a neurosurgeon who did not believe, that makes it extraordinary. So I am thrilled that you have given this gift to humanity, that they will finally begin to wake up uh, to the realization that we are not just physical beings. We are multidimensional, and mostly we are spiritual beings. Well, thank you, Beverly, for your your kind words. And... Uh, I must say that uh, one of the endorsements uh, that I I, I love the most of all the endorsements is one for Map of Heaven. It was from Dr. Larry Dossey, uh, who wrote a beautiful book, uh, The One Mind, about all consciousness being one. And Dr. Dossey, um, who is an MD and a very uh, bright thinker about uh, all of these issues, Uh, wrote an endorsement for Map of Heaven where he said the day is approaching based on the evidence that I present in proof and in map 
uh, where uh, people will come to realize that it's downright irrational and unscientific not to realize that our souls are eternal, that consciousness is not created by the brain. And uh, I consider that uh, that's really where this is going. People need to understand this is the inevitable inevitable pathway of of scientific studies around the very nature of consciousness. And given that the only thing any one of us truly knows to exist is our own consciousness, to try and pretend that it's, it doesn't even truly exist, which is what our conventional neuroscience would try and tell you, that it's just an illusion uh, of the complexity of the physical brain and the working of 100 billion neurons you know, in the three-pound gelatinous mass floating in a warm, dark bath, that conventional neuroscience is very proudly uh, trying to convince you that your consciousness is not even real. Uh, in fact, it's the only thing any one of us truly knows to exist. Uh, I often point out that uh, our conventional neuroscience says that very proudly, that everything you've ever experienced since before you were born, uh, including you know falling in love, hugging your child, beautiful sunset or beautiful symphony, is nothing more than the mathematical pattern of 100 billion neurons in that uh, three-pound gelatinous mass floating in a warm, dark bath. Uh, you know, it's just those mathematical patterns. And in fact, it's far a far deeper mystery than all of that. But it's important to go through that stage of analysis to realize that the material world is not all that it's cracked up to be. And in fact, the gift that materialist science in the form of uh, modern physics or cosmology, the gift that it brings to the table is that in fact that current version of science, you know, looking at string theories, looking at quantum gravity, trying to put together relativity and quantum mechanics, is coming to realize there is no material to the material world. It's all vibrating strings of energy in higher dimensional space-time. As Sir James Jean said when he was musing over the extreme mystery of, the, of quantum mechanics back in the mid-20th century, he said the universe begins to look much more like a great thought than a great machine. We ought to herald mind as the creator and governor of this realm. And I think that is where we are headed, is to realize the fundamental role of consciousness in all that is unfolding in this universe. And the interesting thing is the scientific model is one where the brain is not producing consciousness, but in fact is allowing it in as a transmitter or reducing valve or filter. And that is where the real power of the current scientific uh, viewpoints that are emerging lies, because it has everything to do with what happens when our physical brain and body die. As I saw deep in my coma, it's actually a liberation of our conscious awareness to a far higher level than we are constrained to when we are imprisoned uh, you know, by the shackles of the physical brain. And that is where the science is going now and a deeper understanding of consciousness. Wow, well, you I want to thank you. Any better in the world, I just want to say Einstein's statement, uh, reality is merely an illusion, albeit a very persistent one, is uh, right. one of my guiding principles along with we are spirit exactly. beings uh, having a human experience. Yes, well, I think Einstein knew plenty well where all this was headed, even though he was, uh, you know, he called the entanglement phenomenon of quantum mechanics, which is such a crucial thing to get, he called that spooky action at a distance because it violated his idea that no information could travel faster than the speed of light. 
which is part of special relativity. And of course, he was right uh, in one sense. You cannot really use that entanglement as a way to pass information faster than light. But on the other hand, he was deeply into uh, the mystery and how even space, time, mass, and energy are not what they appear to be, especially time. We need to have a much deeper understanding of time and of all causality uh, to understand this. And I point that out some in Proof of Heaven and go into more detail in Map of Heaven about how time flow in those higher realms is completely different. There's a totally what I call deep time, an ordering of causality that's much more fundamental. And of course, anyone who is aware of, of the uh, life review that you often encounter in near-death experiences. You know that saying, your life passes, flashes before your eyes. Well, of course it does. And that's what has been told by people going all the way back to uh, uh, ancient accounts of near-death experiences going back thousands of years. That life review where we go through a crystal clear, absolute, uh, uh, lucid and perfect uh, reliving of the important goods and bads of our lifetime to learn any residual lessons that are still there to be learned. And if we handed out pain or suffering to others in our life and we, and we didn't make amends for it in this incarnation, we have to go through that in our life review and experience what it felt like to those other beings that were impacted by our decisions. Uh, and it's Beverly, let me more... excuse me, Dr. Alexander. I hate interrupting, huh? but we have so few minutes left, and we have so much more we want to include. Uh, so, Beverly, first, let me thank you so much uh, for coming in and giving that endorsement. And, folks, I want to refer you in our archives on November 20. Beverly Nadler did, was our guest on a show called Life After Death fact or fantasy and in that show she endorsed dr alexander and the proof of heaven so we had that show come on first deliberately so we could get all her followers to listen to your show today so beverly i want to thank you for that and i want to thank you for jumping on and beverly is indeed uh, quite brilliant as an author as a poetress and i just want to give you her uh, my favorite poem i want to share that with you uh, and you'll see why in a moment. Listen to me. I have something to say about a wonderful way to start your day. A way to stimulate your mind and increase your energy. Make you feel so good. And guess what? It's free. Weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, hear the Joyce, Barry, and Friends show. You'll find it on the Internet on Blog Talk Radio. This show is upbeat and fun and very inspirational. It's informative, educational, and very motivational. There's the Coach's Corner, great quotes and news. There are suggestions, perspectives, and advice you can use to enhance your life and improve your health, plus clever, simple ways to increase your wealth. Joyce's perceptions and personality will keep you captivated and her guests from many walks of life will always keep you fascinated. When Joyce and her friends speak, it's like you're in the conversation. This is part of what makes her show so unique, really a sensation. For Joyce's friends are not only the guests you're listening to, they're everyone who is tuning in. Yes, I do mean you. So refer your friends and family. They'll be so pleased to know. 
and let's make Joyce, Barry, and Friends the number one internet radio show. And folks, how that will happen is if you partner up with us, simply go to our website, Joyce Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E, and friends.com. On the upper left, right under my picture, it says follow. And if you click on that, you will get a notification every day of the guests and the topic. You need not miss any of our shows, even if you're not available at 11 a.m. Eastern, because every show goes right into our archives. So please let your friends your contacts know about this show today because it is indeed extraordinary. Let me go over to psychic Peter Marks, my favorite psychic, an extraordinary person. <laughs> I know you just finished reading The Map of Heaven. Uh, what would you like to share, Peter Marks? Well, uh, first I wanted to say it's a pleasure speaking to you and to Dr. Alexander. And I wanted to just correct one thing. I read The Proof of Heaven. I oh, just, I'm sorry. Uh, finished. Yes. I also wanted to uh, mention to Dr. Alexander that the mystical qualities that permeated the uh, descriptions of the afterlife in your book were absolutely brilliant and amazing. And it captivated me to the point that I didn't want to put the book down. Well, great. I well, also, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I also wanted to, I didn't want to reiterate what Beverly had said so succinctly, but I did want to ask a couple of questions about the book. And I wanted to find out, Dr. Alexander, you had mentioned that there is nothing you can do wrong here. Can you be a little bit more specific uh, with myself? and the listening audience, what that meant. Yeah, that's a very important point. I wish I had embellished on it a little more in the book itself. The important thing to get is that we are all here to learn and teach. The lessons have to do with love, compassion, forgiveness, uh, showing mercy to our fellow beings and acceptance, and being here to learn uh, and being open to yes. knowing the the truth. And uh, in that sense, we can do no wrong. But the fact of the matter is, our pathway is still one of ascendance towards oneness with the divine. It's over multiple incarnations. It's best to look at this as soul groups doing the evolving, not as any one soul, or it, it becomes more difficult what the lessons are that are learned and taught. Yes. But that as, as long as we, and we're given that gift of free will, as I said earlier, I think that this whole universe exists so that sentient beings can manifest free will. And uh, that involves making choices out of love and fear. And we can choose out of love, and those choices will always be the most direct pathway towards ascendance, towards oneness with the divine. Or we can choose otherwise. But if we choose to hand out fear and suffering to others, for example, we have to feel that pain and suffering. Um, if we have not made amends for that in this lifetime, we have to feel that during our life review. We have to feel it on their behalf in a realm where it's much more risk of uh, crisp and real and alive and and uh you know so it's better to get that work done in this incarnation so that our life review is not so plagued and burdened with uh making the amends and feeling the pain and suffering we've handed out uh, but that is the sense that we can do no wrong that we will learn one way or the other 
uh, that love is, is the truest and straightest pathway. But we have the free will to choose otherwise. We do. Did you also feel from your experience that we deal with karma? Oh, I think that's absolutely the case. And, in fact, those life reviews are a perfect example of that because not only yes. do we feel the pain and suffering that we handed out to other souls, but often that can extend to any other souls that knew of the transgression. So, in other words, those who have done things that uh, were in the popular press and who millions found out about uh, their transgression, well, a lot of that kind of karmic debt needs to be settled in that life review, too. Uh, so you can see why there would be no need for an eternal hell, given what we have to go through if we've been handing out pain and suffering to others in this incarnation. Uh, we have to go through every bit of feeling the impact of that. Fascinating. Well, I I appreciate you answering my questions. I know there's a lot of people waiting to call in. Thank you so much, Peter. I appreciate your comments. And you're a brilliant doctor, which I did gather through reading your books, and I look forward to your other writings. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Joyce, and thank you, thank Dr. Thank you, Alexander. Peter, for calling in. Uh, we just have a couple of minutes, and I really would like to know, Dr. Alexander, what inspired you to write The Map of Heaven, and how is this book different than your best-selling book, Proof of Heaven? I'm just about up to The Map of Heaven. I have it here, and uh, I just wanted to be totally clear about The Proof of Heaven before I got to The Map. <laughs> so how is oh, this book different than the other one? Right. Very important to point out, um, you know, as a scientist, I had never paid any attention to the scientific literature on non-local consciousness. Uh, things like telepathy, precognition, presentiment, out-of-body experiences, remote viewing, near-death experiences, shared death experiences, where the bystander soul gets sucked along on the journey. Uh, past life memories in children as evidence of reincarnation, etc., etc. A tremendous body of scientific evidence about the reality of our eternal souls and i had no clue of any of that science i'd never paid any attention to it because I, I thought you know my belief before coma brain creates consciousness therefore all that's nonsense i now realize that all of that has tremendous validity to it and so my learning curve has been very steep and i've spent the last six years reading more than 200 books getting deeply into an understanding of this so Map of Heaven is very much about my personal growth and as a scientist uh, coming to realize that this is a scientific pathway that I'm on. Uh, and also, I get this beautiful gift in the form of thousands of people sharing their stories with me. I give four to five talks a week. I often have many people come up to me afterwards and say, I never told anybody this but, and then they'll share a story with me that's enough to change this world when you realize uh, the reality behind it. So, in fact, a bunch of those stories are what I include in Map of Heaven, uh, and also Map of Heaven goes back thousands of years. I had to step back uh, very far to take the broad view of, of humanity and of human destiny, going back to Plato and Aristotle to Eastern and Western mystics and prophets, uh, and the rise of the scientific revolution beginning 400 years ago in the natural sciences. All of this needed to be put in perspective to explain why we are where we are right now with this mind-body debate. The mind-body debate, 2,600 years old, um, 
you know, we're just now beginning to get to some deep answers around that, and they're crucial for the progress of science to move forward about any of this nature of reality. And so that's what this is all about. And Map of Heaven is a great extension beyond Proof of Heaven because it paints my journey in perspective with the millions of other experiences that are out there over thousands of years across all continents and cultures, and also people who have contacted me recently with their own stories, and they could be stories that happened 50 or 60 years ago. They remember them perfectly because memories of these kind of experiences do not fade. They're not memories created in the physical brain at all. And this is all part of the message that I'm getting out there in Map of Heaven and pointing out that this is all about the scientific world maturing and growing up tremendously around the issue of consciousness itself. Uh, Dr. Alexander, with your permission, I'd like to go over a few minutes. Our show is broadcast live, and it doesn't end till I end it. Uh, so may I do that? Because there's just a couple of more things I'd like to cover. All right. With your permission. Uh, what I got out at, of at proof of heaven, you are loved and cherished deeply forever. You have nothing to fear. There is nothing you can do wrong. How can you justify that statement, there is nothing you can do wrong? Uh, it was very powerful, but I'd like to hear from you where that was coming from. Well, I really, uh, you know, I think I answered that a little bit uh, in answering Peter's question. Um, and it is a crucial part of understanding all this, uh, that God loves us so dearly and so deeply as to give us the gift of free will. Free will is really at the crux of the question here and of the answer. Uh, as I said earlier, our conventional neuroscience would very proudly tell you none of us have free will. They say that because they think that it's just the subatomic laws governing the particles, the atoms, the molecules, the cells of the brain that give us the illusion of consciousness, illusion of free will, and that materialist science says very proudly that we're all automatons. We're simply following those natural laws and thinking that we're conscious, thinking that we have free will, but none of it's true. I believe that that, is, that thinking that I used to harbor before my coma is completely false, and that the entire universe exists so that sentient beings can manifest this free will. And we have the choices to act out of love or act out of fear, to act out of knowing our, that we are eternal spiritual beings, that we are connected directly to the divine through our consciousness, that we are infinitely loved through that very connection that we can all remember, or we can choose to forget it. As I point out at the very end of A Proof of Heaven, I use the analogy, it's kind of like my adoption story and being adopted and spending all those years thinking that I was not loved and then reconnecting with that much deeper love as a divine being and pointing out uh, in an analogous fashion, that's what so many of us who worship this materialist scientific viewpoint that is false, that is absolutely false at its core. The phenomenon of consciousness itself is what will prove that materialist thinking to be erroneous and needs to be discarded. 
in Map of Heaven, I talk all about that and how materialist science is on the way out because there's a far grander science that fully acknowledges the reality of consciousness, soul, spirit uh, that is right there in the wings ready to take over because it makes far more sense. Now, do no wrong means that we're here to learn and teach these lessons, to remember that we are divinely loved, that we, we have a direct connection to the divine, and that we're thus very deserving of that love, but we manifest that by serving as conduits of that love. I came to see that this is all about love and light of being an infinite power of healing that can completely overwhelm the darkness and the apparent evils that are in this world and in lower spiritual realms. And this is all about uh, living up to that true uh, being that we are, that we are divine, uh, in being able to uh, learn those lessons of love. And that's how, in that sense, we can, quote, do no wrong, because we will pay for uh, the price of transgression if we choose to bring, you know, the fear and the and the selfishness and greed and uh, pain and suffering to others. So a lot of what I took away from Proof of Heaven is about unconditional love because that's such a high state. And even though we might have unconditional love for a spouse, uh, we may not have it for our friends. So even that is highly selective. I like that you said love is, without a doubt, the basis of everything. In its purest and most powerful form, the love is not jealous or selfish but unconditional. And that is a very, very high state in any relationship relationship and a very difficult one to get to <laughs> given human nature and what goes on between people. Do you have any advice on what it takes to get to that state without having an NDE? Yes, uh, absolutely. I think um, uh, as I came to see from my journeys, the vast majority of the problems in our world today have to do with the fact we don't even love ourselves enough. You know, we think the tough thing is loving our neighbor, loving our enemy. We'll start by loving ourselves and doing that very deeply as the divine, eternal, spiritual beings as a direct extension of that all-powerful, all-loving, creative God source. Um, and then that allows us to serve as conduits for that love out to fellow beings. And loving, when you realize that all consciousness is one, that we're all together in this. So in other words, if I hurt my enemy, I'm hurting myself in a very real sense. And I came to see that so many that I had seen before my coma as my enemy or my nemesis, those who might be in the way of things I thought I needed in life, were actually near and dear soul mates and that we were here teaching each other very tough and challenging lessons about this existence. And so really that love is extremely liberating and forgiving and uh, realizing that we're those infinitely powerful spiritual beings that we're directly connected with other beings and that the world will be an infinitely better place as we come to know the truth of that and to serve as conduits for that love uh, for our of the, of the uh, divine, all-loving, creative source we serve as conduits for that love for all fellow beings, and that's what allows us to participate in it. We're co-creating uh, as consciousness is evolving kind of along the lines of Teilhard de Chardin. We are all participants in that, 
and we can all go deep within. That's why in the book Map of Heaven, I talk about my work with sacred acoustics. It's right there in the appendix. The appendix is entitled, The Answers Lie Within Us All, and that is uh, because you don't have to die or almost die to get this. Deep meditation, centering prayer, sometimes it comes to us as the gift of desperation. It can come completely unbidden. But the knowing of that deeper, uh, eternal, spiritual being that we truly are is something that is available to all of us if we go within. I try to meditate an hour to a day. Again, this is why my research is with sacred acoustics to help them develop sounds that uh, enable people people to go into deep, uh, very transcendental conscious states, getting out into infinite consciousness, uh, infinite source of creativity. Um, And that's what this is all about. We can all do it by being conscious beings, uh, and that's why the tools that I bring through sacred acoustics I think are so important. I think everything that you say and do is important. You are an extraordinary person. I certainly hope to have you back in the near future, and I have one final question. What do you most hope readers will take away from the map of heaven? Well, I, mo- I, I hope that what they will gain from that is the realization that our current human understanding to best uh, answer questions about the nature of existence, of consciousness, of everything around us, uh, that this is all about coming to remember the infinite, eternal, spiritual beings that we all are, that the false sense of separation is indeed false, and that we are all one, we're all in this together, and it's all about that love, and we are deeply loved and cherished and will be taken care of just to open our hearts and our minds and our souls to that loving presence. And by serving as conduits for that love, it comes back to us many times over and offers up the infinite capabilities for healing at all levels. Folks, you want to know more about Dr. Alexander, and I'm sure you do, Eben Alexander, MD on Facebook and Twitter, Life Beyond D, uh, Alexander, uh, EbenAlexander.com is the website. Uh, that's where I learned a lot of what I learned when I first got the call from Amy. You have to have Dr. Alexander on your show, and I did my homework, and I'm so glad I did, and I'm so grateful to you, uh, Dr. Alexander, for making time for us for, uh, today and uh, letting us extend it a little bit because I wanted to be sure I could get in as much as I could. What are your final thoughts? Well, I just would like to thank you for this opportunity to to reach out to other souls. We're all in this together, and it is a beautiful journey of love and compassion, forgiveness, acceptance, and mercy, and that's what we're all here for. And uh, God bless you and all of your audience. God bless all of you. Thank you. And I thank you for that and the people who called in today because they had to let you know what a huge difference they made in their lives. My final words to our audience, make this the last day, the very last day of your struggles, your suffering, your ill health, your misfortunes, your problems, your pain, your worries, your troubles, your trials and tribulations. Make this the first day, the very first day of wishes granted and dreams coming true. Make it the most meaningful day of making more money, good health, good luck, good fortune, attracting special people and opportunities, creating magical memories, and manifesting marvelous miracles. God bless you all.